the Water Values Podcast, Session 146. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks so much for joining me. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. We have David LaFrance, CEO of the American Water Works Association. David's going to come on and he's going he's to talk about a wide range of stuff. Uh, everything from uh, AWWA basics and, and mission statement to some of the strategic initiatives internationally and what AWWA is doing in India. And that's a great story right there in and of itself. Uh, he'll go through some federal legislation that AWWA has worked very hard on uh, as well. So we'll talk P3, we'll talk ACE 19. So it's just a really uh, good interview. Uh, you're really going to learn a lot. David's uh, as always fantastic. Uh, so, but before we get there, uh, a little bit of housekeeping as normal. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you know it does cost money to keep the, uh, you know the 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 media host going, the web host going, all that good stuff. Uh, so, there's a little PayPal button on the website, thewatervalues.com. You can go there, scroll down a little bit, click donate, and uh, any denomination helps defray the cost of putting on the podcast. Next, thank you so much. Uh, we've received a couple more uh, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts since the last episode, and we're still we're now at 122 total ratings. Uh, the vast majority of those are uh, are five stars. We have a kind of an, a composite. Uh, Apple, I know, to switch up their algorithm or, or their their calculation metric, but it, we're 4.9. But we have something like 113. Uh, five-star ratings, and there's a couple other, like some fours and a three, uh, but and there's a one. Thank you very much, whoever gave me the one. Uh, but in any event, uh, go on the go on the uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever podcast directory you use to listen, and rate and review the podcast. It just helps folks find out about it. Um, we greatly appreciate you doing that for me. Uh, with that said, let's get on with it. Let's open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go with David LaFrance. Well, David, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. So glad you could come on. How are you today? I am great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. Uh, before we kind of get into the meat of the program, David, let's let's uh, hear a little about your background and how you got interested in water. Uh, well, I can, uh, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, I'll start with the fact that uh, I've been the CEO of the American Water Works Association, headquartered here in Denver, Colorado, for the past nine years. It's been quite an honor to uh, lead the premier water association in the world, the oldest and the largest, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later if you'd like. But uh, more than just being the CEO, I've been a member of AWWA for about 25 years. Uh, my water career spans uh, being the CFO for Denver Water, one of the largest water association in Colorado. I also worked for a large consulting firm uh, called C.H. Tom Hill, now part of Jacobs. Uh, and before that, I worked for the Corps of Engineers, doing some work for them as well. So all my life, all my career, my professional career has been all about water and its various forms. 
Terrific. Now, I, I think it's real. I, I like the fact that you were the CFO at Denver Water because I think a lot of the a lot of the challenges we're dealing with in the industry uh, are financial in nature, and so we can we can hit that in in a little bit. Uh, but you, you you mentioned the AWWA. Obviously, a lot of people know about it. This is going to sound like a really dumb question, but can you kind of tell us, you know, who the AWWA is, what it is, mission, you know, things of that nature? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to. I, in fact, I love to talk about AWWA. So first, AWWA stands for the American Water Works Association. Uh, for many people, it sounds like a, maybe that's a square on the Monopoly board. But uh, it is actually the oldest and the largest water association in the world. It was started in 1881 at the University of Washington in St. Louis. Uh, 22 gentlemen, all of whom had water treatment uh, responsibilities, got together to share expertise and best management practices on how to uh, make water safe to drink. And at that time, uh, there was a lot of waterborne disease that they were trying to eradicate. And those 22 individuals formed the American Water Works Association and began the strategic uh, elimination of cholera and typhoid here in the U.S. So today, uh, we are about 52,000 members strong, much larger than the 22 who began us. We are in 92 countries around the globe. Uh, Most of our members are in North America, about 10% of them in Canada, uh, and then most of the remainder um, in the United States. We... Um, our vision is a better world through better water, and that became our vision in 2013 uh, when our board strategically decided that they wanted to have more of a global presence and to take the practices that began with those 22 gentlemen in St. Louis and sort of help spread those uh, around the globe in a strategic way. Uh, you know, we don't have unlimited resources. We're a nonprofit organization. So we have to be selective as to how we use the nonprofit revenue. When I talk to members of AWWA, because we're a membership organization, there's a few things that stand out. Uh, Everyone is familiar with our journal, which is a monthly publication that describes best management practices. And uh, we have launched with that a companion journal called Water Science, which is a peer-reviewed journal. It's only available electronically at this point. Uh, They're also very familiar with uh, the fact that when you join AWWA, you're a member of the international organization that I run, and you're assigned to a local chapter, or what we call section of AWWA. Uh, And coming up in June, our signature conference, uh, ACE, which happens every year in June, is also something that all of our members look forward to and talk about. And we also are the only standards writing organization in the water space. While many people don't know what standards are, I think the easiest way to think about it is that products, materials, business practices, uh, the AWWA writes standards on how all of those should be done and the benefit Uh, The simplest example of the benefit of that is that if you were to pick up a pipe in L.A. and take it all the way to Boston, 
that pipe would fit the pipes of Boston because the pipes are all built to the same standard. And that standard is defined by the American Water Works Association and our volunteers who write the standards. So that gives you a sense of, you know, who we are and what, what value we bring. Uh, I suppose I did miss one thing, which is, well, I probably, I've missed several things, but <laughs> one of the big things is we, we do provide educational opportunities and networking opportunities for everyone in the water profession. And the water profession is uh, full of a variety of disciplines and professional types of people these days. Yeah, well, when when you're asked to do a little thumbnail like that, it's easy to miss stuff. But I think you gave us a great, you know, high level uh, uh, overview of the AWWA. You know, and and going from 22 members to 52,000 members, that's that's uh, what I think they call exponential growth. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's, been, it's been it's been multiple years. Uh, we wish we wish uh, we had grown faster, but we are proud of our of of our impact on the water sector and. You know, when you're as when when you're as broad as we are in terms of what we offer, the elevator speech requires a high rise because you have to go from the ground floor all the way up to that top penthouse, and you need a long elevator for the elevator speech. So <laughs> that's no problem. Uh, so let, let's go back to that 2013 board vision you mentioned, and kind of uh, you know becoming the premier water organization in the world. I know you've got some strategic initiatives. Uh, in the works and that have that have actually been launched. For example, India is uh, one one of the places where you've recently set down roots. Can you tell us a little about the the expansion to India and why it's important to export U.S. water expertise? Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to talk about that. The one thing. Um while there is some, uh, you know, quote, exporting of U.S. expertise, there's also uh, opportunities for us to learn from the people, uh, the water professionals of India. So uh, we went about, as I mentioned earlier, we, we had to be really careful with our limited resources as a nonprofit organization. And so in 2013, when we created our new strategic plan, which included this world vision, we sat down and uh, um, developed a business case analyzing where our international members come from, uh, who participates actively uh, with AWWA from their home country. Uh, and we looked at certain things like um, rule of law, GDP, uh, population growth, um, what the water situations were. And many, uh, and, and we did this in combination with a, an organization within AWWA called our International Council. So these are all members of the American Water Works Association who volunteer their time to sit on a council within our, uh, that reports ultimately to our board and sits on our board. Their council chair sits on our board. Uh, and they're responsible for helping AWWA with its international strategy. So through that process that we went through, this sort of systematic evaluation, uh, we narrowed down the field of places where we could uh, possibly have an impact and what kind of impact we could have. So in some places like Australia and in England, uh, the impact is simply like sharing our manuals and our publications with them. Uh, they don't really have a need for AWWA to create a community 
in uh, their country to unite the water professionals because they have those sorts of uh, organizations already. But in India, as we all know, uh, India has many sort of demographic and environmental challenges that are separate them from other places. Um, and as we did the evaluation, we had had a long relationship with India in uh, a very passive way. Uh, but what we decided was that to have a real impact in India, we needed to be uh, there with boots on the ground in the country so that we could create a, a community of water professionals there, similar to how we have 43 sections of AWWA in North America. So in 2015, after doing a solid business case and um, working hard to make sure we had the right business model, we opened up our doors in Mumbai, India. Um, one of the big challenges there, of course, is water quality, uh, the culture of uh, open defecation, and the fact that most at most people's houses they don't have 24-7 water, they don't have 24-7 power, and the water uh, is not safe to drink from your tap, the way we've become accustomed to it. India does have a population by, that is growing rapidly. By uh, 2025, they're expected to surpass China, who right now has the largest population. So you can imagine this um, community of rich culture and history and yet um, poor water quality, expected to grow in population, expected to grow in um, economic success as well. And yet we, are, we know here in the U.S. and in North America and in most developed countries that water is critical to that type of growth. So AWWA uh, opened our doors, started to create a community. We have over... 250 members in India at this point, starting off with 17 when we launched this. Our hopes are to continue to build that community, uniting those Indian water professionals so they can work together. This year we are uh, increasing and we're on a path to increase our training for the next three years so that they get uh, the benefits of all of the knowledge that AWWA has in terms of operations and maintenance and management of water utilities and uh, providing them access to all of our printed materials as well. Um, and, and we are at the same time the Indian water professionals come to AWWA's AC cheer and we enjoy the benefit of learning about their challenges and learning about how they, because their water stress areas are um, forces them to be innovative in a way that we don't have to be. So we have the opportunity to learn from them as well. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm so happy you brought that point up. What, what, what are some of the kind of the early returns on that, uh, you know, in terms of learning from how uh, water professionals in India are addressing water stressed areas? So um, probably a couple of things that uh, they do differently. One is they are more, um, they favor more the, a decentralized treatment plant process. So rather than having a centralized treatment plant, which has um, a big footprint on a, a piece of property, they will have smaller satellite treatment plants. Some of that is 
uh, a function of land area, but it's also a function of the fact that as water would leave the, the source, it uh, oftentimes uh, is disrupted by theft. And so having it treated as close to the place of use uh, helps. It, it still isn't solving the problem, but it certainly does help uh, for them. And so in the U.S., you know, especially on reuse areas or wastewater areas, that opportunity is being explored more. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't the norm here, of course. It's not the basic practice, but there's still things for us to learn from them. Uh, and, and I'd say the other sorts of things is they do have... Um, a growing interest in their young professionals and especially their female professionals, which is um, which is really fantastic to see. Uh, and then the third thing I'll sort of speak about is um, our uh, government and our our federal government and our regulatory processes are well developed, especially relative to. Uh, what's happening in India. And so when you look at, I'm oftentimes asked as I look at what's happening there as to whether or not India needs a U.S. EPA. And that's such an interesting question because uh, the U.S. EPA provides great value to the public in the U.S. and uh, guidance for the water systems. And sometimes we look at the U.S. EPA as as you would a regulator as being sort of um, wise and helpful and sometimes bureaucratic and in our way uh, and and complicated. But at the end of the day, the, the water professionals in India look to it as a way to protect the environment when wastewater is returned to it and to uh, protect the public's health, which of course is part of the mission of the US EPA. It just creates a good contrast for us to think about. Ter- terrific. So th- that's a great, uh, great summary of of the AWWA's work in India and kind of what we can learn from them. And, and yeah. So uh, I'm I'm really happy you're doing that. Uh, let's let's shift our focus a little bit. I know that one of the one of the things that AWWA is provides advocacy. And there's been some federal legislation I'd like to, to touch base with you on, and that's WIFIA and the Farm Bill. Uh, could you address each of those in turn and kind of, you know, explain a little bit about what they are and then why they're important? Right. So AWW, we're headquartered here in Denver, uh, and we do have an office in Washington, D.C. That is where our water policy professionals reside. They work closely on legislative matters and regulatory matters. Um, and they, they provide this amazing value to the water sector that because they speak uh, as the voice of the 52 plus thousand water utilities across the United States. And um, part of our strength when we, when we work with the EPA or when we go to the Hill to uh, talk to the legislators is that um, we have so many water utilities who are members and they care about what the water utilities uh, are interested in and they want to learn from them. So the individuals in our DC office have that heavy responsibility to represent that. A few years ago, uh, we did some important work on infrastructure. 
and the crumbling infrastructure that's buried beneath the roads. Um, and that re we did a report called the Buried No Longer Report, meaning that the issues buried underneath the streets, we wanted to bring up to the surface so everybody would know about them. And we estimated that replacing the buried infrastructure over the next 25 years was a trillion dollar problem. About half of that was to replace the existing infrastructure and half of it was to put in new infrastructure uh, for where people wanted to live. And that, that report became really pivotal because it quantified the order of, um, the order of magnitude of the problem that we're facing. And if, if our buried pipes aren't of the right quality, then that puts public health at risk. And, and our report, by the way, was just about the drinking water pipes. It did not include the wastewater uh, side of the, the water cycle. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that it would be even more if you included the need for replacing wastewater uh, collection systems pipes. But what it also did was it pointed out the challenge that water utilities have of paying for all of these capital infrastructure projects. And that, so AWWA set about modeling a bill for a low interest rate loan program that goes by the acronym of WIFIA, which stands for the Water Infrastructure Finance Innovation Act. And uh, it was uh, signed into law by President Obama and um, the US EPA administers this loan. This loan is, uh, it has a, the ability to be funded and then through a multiplier effect be able to give out more loans than the original funding. The interest rates are low uh, and benchmarked uh, to some government level funding costs. And uh, it's designed for sort of larger innovative, that's why the I and in in WIFIA for innovation, innovative type projects. It is for drinking water, for wastewater, for reuse water, uh, storm water, and um, other type of urban water projects. Uh, so far, they've had two rounds of funding. They've funded millions and millions of dollars of capital projects. And interestingly, even though AWWA has a brand of primarily being a drinking water um, organization, our focus on what we call total water solutions, or what many people call one water solutions, has really carried the day as it relates to WIFIA because WIFIA loans, uh, over half of them have been made for wastewater utilities. And it really just shows how AWWA focuses on the broader urban water cycle. So that's, that's the WIFIA question. Then that also um, led to some work that we did on affordability because as you start to replace the infrastructure and uh, even with the benefit of low cost loans for replacing that infrastructure, the price of water must go up. And so AWWA started to get into some hardcore analytics with other associations to define uh, the issues of affordability for water. And at the same time, uh, you mentioned the Farm Bill. Uh, AWWA over the past two years has worked to have um, some source water protection. So 
imagine rivers and streams that can be impacted by uh, runoff from farmlands. Uh, to have some of the money in the farm bill, specifically in the title having to do with conservation programs, um, be dedicated toward protecting these source waters that run along uh, agricultural areas. And the idea is a partnership between the, the drinking water uh, sector or drinking water uh, industry and the agricultural industry to work together to make um, uh, buffer areas that will per will slow down the natural flow of the runoff from the agricultural uh, land into the rivers, and it will allow things like nitrates to settle out and protect source water, making it better and easier for um, the drinking water utilities to treat. So the drinking water utilities get a great benefit because um, they start off with a better product, if you will. Uh, the farmers are able to do this with funding from uh, the USDA. The USDA has dedicated about $4 billion over the next 10 years towards this program. Uh, the rivers benefit because they'll be healthier. And actually, this also has Clean Water Act benefits for the wastewater community as well. So this is a real win-win for agriculture, the whole water sector, and the environment. And it's just really a fantastic thing that we're so proud of that uh, has just come in the past uh, past year. The trick now is going to be to get those great projects, the signature projects, that uh, will demonstrate the value of, uh, of this bill and this, this dedicated money. Yeah, the implementation is always uh, uh you know, that's where the devil is in the details, right? So I, I, there's a lot of fascinating stuff going on with with water utilities relationship with ag. I'll, I'll put in a little plug for my interview with Todd Danielson, the chief utilities executive at Avon Lake Regional Water, who who had, he, you know, he, he talked a couple of weeks ago on this podcast about uh, a system of water quality credit trading that's on the drawing board. It's not, it's not put into practice yet, but it, it, I mean, it's a fascinating um, uh, you know, th there's a lot of great minds that work on this, and there's a lot of great ideas coming out. So it's 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 great to hear, uh, you know, your your synopsis of the farm bill there. Um, you know, we you talked about a lot of that that money, you know, from WIFIA and things of that nature that is needed for the infrastructure. One thing we hear a lot about is P3. You know, everyone says P3, P3, P3. The, you know, the, the private sector, there's a lot of money on the sidelines that needs to, to, to come in and get invested. And I know that AWWA partnered with uh, Ernst & Young Infrastructure Advisors about, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a recent report called to P3 or not to P3. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so can you, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that report? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is uh, we were we were pretty happy to uh, to partner up with EY on this, and um, this is part of an ongoing dialogue that AWWA has had. Again, going back to that basic understanding that uh, utilities face a steep cost curve in terms of replacing buried infrastructure and above ground infrastructure, uh, and needing to find innovative ways to finance that. Um, and so 
the P3 model, the public-private partnership, which comes in many different forms, is one of those models that um, AWWA felt there was uh, not an optimal amount of understanding about how it works. And like many things that we do, our goal is simply to create opportunities for the water utilities or the water professionals in general to learn about a um, strategy or a methodology or a business practice. We don't always we don't always say certain things are are the way you should do it, unless it becomes what we consider to be a best management practice. As it relates to public-private partnerships, we look at that as uh, something that is not well understood uh, by the water utility sector, something that is emerging and more people are doing uh, public-private partnerships, but something where AWWA's uh, network of water professionals, that we're in a unique position to help bring better understanding to how P3s can work and how they can provide benefits, and uh, it provides a easy way and a safe way for water utilities to learn how that might be different than their traditional ways of financing infrastructure. And this report um, it sort of frames all of those discussions that we've been having over the past couple of years with uh, multiple sponsors, one of which is EY, on this issue. And uh, I think it does a really nice job of of putting into context how a utility might consider P3 and sort of demystifying some of the pieces about uh, P3s as well. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating report. You know, just reading through uh, some of the, the you know the the, the thing that kind of caught my eye was there's a, a a graph about the barriers to P3, and one of those that you kind of indicated was a lack of understanding of the options. And do you have any? Thoughts about you know how what are where where we are on the trajectory towards gaining a better understanding of that? Yeah, I think from our perspective, we w- we want people to know that P threes are an option. That uh, it's not necessarily simple as that sort of graphic that you, you that you pointed to uh, points out, and that you need to really think about this as a solid option and in which cases it might work. Um, and, and so we're trying to help inform our members about how the option might work. One of the uh, the places where you start to see P3s working is in those unique situations where the utility may not have expertise that uh, for a non-traditional project. So they think about ways of shifting risk, which a P3 is designed to help do, shifting risk to the, um, the business partner and the P3. Uh, the other big complication with um, P3s for utilities is the contracting specifics are not, are not as uh, they have always been with sort of a design bid build approach. So a lot of utilities feel that they don't have the in-house capacity for that, and we want to make sure that they know that there are ways to get build that capacity, and so that they can get comfortable with what it what it's like. Yeah. Um, there is also other benefits which are uh, harder to uh, quantify, 
pace or speed to market, if you will, in bringing the project to uh, closure, risk transfer of certain other aspects of it. Uh, but in order to achieve those, the utilities need to fully understand how this delivery model works. And that's part of what this report's designed to do and uh, our discussions are designed to do. And as we look at it, we have a responsibility to help our members and the water sector at large understand the portfolio of financing options that exist. So whether it's state revolving loan funds, whether it's WIFIA, whether it's going to the municipal bond market, whether it's a P3, we're indifferent about which model they would use, but we, but we hope that they would pick the one that's best for their local conditions and the one that will help uh, make their project uh, successful, including the finances and how that impacts rates for their customers. That's really our ultimate goal. Yeah, yeah, your education, not advocacy. In that in that context, yeah. and, and and part of and one of and, and of those tools that seems uh, undereducated, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree you with you. What I'm <laughs> I know exactly what you said. Right. Yeah, well, no, it, it came out just perfect. Uh, hey, uh, David, we are uh, quickly approaching the end of our time, so I, you've mentioned ACE a couple of times. Uh, I just want to get your take on uh, some ACE basics, where it is this year, what are the dates, uh, and kind of what are some key highlights and themes that you're, you're anticipating are going to be percolating up? our code for AWWA's annual conference and exposition. Uh, so we just shortened that to ACE. Uh, this year is called ACE 19 uh, because it's 2019. It will take place in Denver, Colorado on June 9 through 12. Uh, we are expecting over 12,000 water professionals to descend upon the beautiful city of Denver uh, to share best best business practices in water, to be part of our technical sessions, which there'll be over 200 technical sessions over the course of that time period, to meet with other colleagues, including the over 500 exhibitors that will be on our exhibit floor. We'll have a huge focus on innovation in water. Uh, we will have a series of uh, competitions, including determining who has the best tasting water uh, in uh, North America, and um, it'll just be—it'll just—it's just an amazing time for water professionals to come together. This year, it's in Denver. It, it goes around uh, North America. We have it in a different location each year, but because Denver is headquartered uh, in Denver, Colorado, I'm sorry, because AWWA is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, we are proud to be the host here on June 12th. June 9 through 12 of uh, this year. Terrific. Anybody can learn more about it just by going to awwa.org, uh, and there's all the information there for anybody who wants to learn about it or to register to attend. Terrific. Um, well, you know, we, we've, we've covered a lot of ground today, David. There are a lot of issues and, that you've identified that affect water systems. Do, do you um, – I'd like to get your take on what you see as kind of the most pressing issues that water utilities are facing. Yeah, this is great. Um, I think a couple things. One, uh, we've talked about it, so I won't go into details, but we've talked about the importance of, of maintaining and re replacing infrastructure. 
We didn't touch on this, but that includes lead service lines as well, and finding solutions that work on lead service lines uh, for each of the communities. Affordability is, is a rapidly emerging issue, uh, as is uh, the sort of year-over-year Number two issue for water utilities is how do we pay for the infrastructure replacement. Um, maybe two other things, the emerging issues of PFO and PFOS, those are um, hot on everyone's minds at this moment. And um, just going with the, the brand of your uh, podcast, uh, the value of water is key in how we communicate the value of water and water systems to the general public so that they understand that uh, while the water may be free, the water service certainly is not. And there is a magnificent machine that collects the water, treats the water, and delivers it to everyone's home and business, and then collects it again and returns it back to the environment. And uh, the proud water professionals who get to do that every single day for the betterment of their communities, uh, work hard to make sure that the public has safe water and that the environment uh, is also protected when that's returned. So that will be a um, more and more important discussion as the public becomes more and more engaged on where does their water come from and where does it go when they're done with it. Yeah. Well, David, you've been absolutely terrific today. I really appreciate you taking time some out of your busy schedule. I mean, we're, you're coming up on ACE. You've got a lot of things going on, and, and you've carved out about you know 40 minutes or so of your day to, to chat with us. And I just want to thank you uh, very much for that time. Um, for those folks who want to find out more about you and more about the AWWA, I know you mentioned the website earlier, but where can they go to find that information? Yeah, I think that th that really is the fastest and best way, awwa.org. Uh, everything's there. They can get in touch with me. They can get in touch with our, our customer service people if they want to learn uh, more about programming. You have the ability to join AWWA from the website if you want access to all of our member benefits as well. Uh, and, and we really do hope that everyone will join us at ACE 19 here in Denver in June of this, this year. Awesome. Well, David, again, thank you so much. Good luck at ACE 19 and keep up the good work over at AWA. Thanks. Yeah, Dave, keep up the great work with this podcast. It's really great for the water sector. We appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, David. Thanks again. Bye. What a great episode that was. What a, you know, David LaFrance just did a fantastic job coming on and, and really uh, being well-versed enough to talk about the, the wide range of topics we talked about. He's just, uh, you can tell, a, a busy guy that really kind of gets it from the water perspectives. Um, I'd like to know what you found interesting about that, that episode. You can uh, check the show notes out for the session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one four six. Leave your comments about this episode on those show notes, or you can email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can tweet at me at uh, my handle, which is at DTM1993. You can use the hashtag watervalues to tweet about the podcast. Uh, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can financially support the podcast with a donation. Um, you can also... Uh, rate and review the podcast for me, please, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever you're listening to. Uh, that would be much appreciated. Uh, well, 
that does it for this week. I hope everyone has a great Easter, a very happy Easter. And in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me well thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer i'm a lawyer licensed in indiana and colorado and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else additionally nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.